All right, so uh, last week, I think, I think when we talked about prayer, I shared like 13 different scriptures, something, something crazy. Like it was, it was a lot that I tossed at you all. Um, this week, one, one story, one simple story. Jesus gets asked a question, and he says, let me tell you about this guy. Uh, and it's interesting, the question is all about eternal life that someone asks him. Someone says, some faithful Jewish guy says, what am I supposed to do to inherit eternal life? It's, it's a loaded question because he doesn't, yeah, he's got ulterior motives. But, uh, but Jesus' answer is pretty classic rabbinical answer. Follow the law, X, Y, Z, everything like that. Love God, love your neighbor. And the guy responds by saying, well, who exactly is my neighbor? And this leads to one of the most, if not the most famous story in the entire New Testament. Maybe, maybe the prodigal son has some competition. But outside of that, the story of the Good Samaritan is one of the most famous stories known, at least on the outside, by uh, people who are uh, folks of, of faith in Jesus and, and others. Uh, but we're going to look at it, and we're not going to look at it. It's interesting because we are talking about things like you can't, you can't look at the story of the Good Samaritan without understanding things like enemy love and things like this hardest and most straightforward teaching of Jesus that we have. Uh, but today I want to look at it through a slightly different lens. I want to invite us to, to see this story through the lens of service. Um, Jesus tells a story of a surprising act of love and care and compassion in response to the question, who is my neighbor? Now, the neighbor is a surprising person, as we'll get to in just a moment, but it's important for us to understand that when Jesus is telling this story, one thing that is abundantly clear is he is saying a neighbor is someone who serves. Earlier, um, or in, in another book, in the book of John, Today we're going to look at, at Luke. In the book of John, Jesus specifically says, I am among you as one who serves when he's in the upper room with his disciples. So we are looking at the value of what it means to serve, but also why it can be so hard and why we are maybe so selective in who we choose to serve and why. And so let's just look at this story first and, uh, and, we'll, and we'll walk through it. Uh, so like I said, the beginning of the story um, this is in Luke 10. A guy asks Jesus, what should I do to inherit, to experience the fullness of life, to inherit eternal life, life with God? Eternal life is not something that starts after you die. It is a state of life that begins now and echoes into eternity, according to the scriptures. So eternal life is something that you can taste right now as you walk with God, and it continues on. So all of these things, you've, you've answered this correctly when he says, what do you think it says? Well, I'm supposed to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you'll live. Jesus knows the guy's not going to be happy with that because he has, like I said, an ulterior motive. But we're told he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Let's just, let's just pause here because we're hearing that before the, this man asks a question, who is my neighbor, Deep down, he wants Jesus to narrow his options. Who is my neighbor is not a genuine question. What he's really saying is, who am I allowed to discount as not my neighbor? Because he wants to justify himself. We're told this right here, okay? Um, so I just want to pause to just call it. Oh, by the way, Jesus says, I see what you're doing here. 
So I'm going to help you define a neighbor, and I'm going to make it broader instead of narrower, and now all of a sudden you're going to have a whole new set of challenges. <laughs> but can we just be really honest and acknowledge like how many times we love to justify ourselves? <clears throat> the, the, the gospel is not about guilt. The gospel is good news of freedom. However, honesty requires that we admit that there are many times that we look at a situation and maybe it's not even like we, we have lots of conversations about healthy boundaries these days, right? Which is so important. However, we take this and we push it all the way over here and we say, well, I just might need a little more me time today. And I know that person's in need, but like, I'm just kind of busy, you know, or I've got other priorities or whatever. And, and we have, you know what, I'm not even going to say we, I'll just talk about myself. And I have a lot of temptations to just kind of justify a pretty me-centric life, um, without challenging it. And sometimes we need to let God challenge us. And so we're going to start with just the acknowledgement that sometimes it's easy to want to justify ourselves. All right, so what happens? Jesus starts telling this story. There was this guy. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a a journey. descended a couple of, uh, it descended quite a bit, a couple thousand feet actually. Um, and so the, the journey from Jerusalem to Jericho is filled with these craggy passes, okay? It was not a safe journey because it was easy for robbers to hide. So no, nothing surprising here. He's on this way down. And he's attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So we get this story that Jesus is telling about this man who has been like really kind of the worst thing that can happen to you, right? Violence done against you. You're, you're robbed. You're left alone and injured, okay? Leaving him half dead is the words that he uses. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and he saw the man. He passed by on the other side. We'll talk about that in a second. So to a Levite, when he came down to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, all right, we're talking about Jewish folks here so far. All of a sudden, a Samaritan enters the story. As he traveled, came to where the man was, and he saw him. He took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law, the one who originally asked the question, right, replied, the one who had mercy on him. Take note, he does not say the Samaritan because it's just too hard to let that be the answer out of his mouth. And make no mistake, that is exactly what's going on here. That is exactly what's happening here. He can't say the Samaritan. Very similar to in the, in the prodigal son story when the older son gets all ticked off and he says, that son of yours instead of my brother right? Because when we don't want to admit that we have a calling to love difficult people, we don't even like to give them the dignity of their own identity, right? The one who had mercy on him, but he has no other choice to answer because Jesus tells the story so clearly. Here's the thing. Let's go back and let's start with the first thing that we notice about this Samaritan is that when he saw him, he took pity on him, Other translations with that that word, uh, he was moved with compassion. So the first thing, before anything else, the first thing that we might want to understand about a heart of service is we must 
acknowledge the hurt and the need without making excuses. He said, I must do something because he felt it. He entered this man's story. He had not become desensitized to the realities. We have so much in our world that can desensitize us to the realities of needs of other people. The reality is that it's so, there are so many needs that we know we can't do anything, that we can't do everything. So the choice is, I just feel it, but I don't do anything. And this is the trap that we can fall in in the age of, of overwhelming information. But this Samaritan, he sees somebody, and it says he felt something, and then that feeling, that, that compassion that he had the capacity for, it leads to action. Um, this is our starting point. We ask God just simply to help us see other people with eyes of compassion, understanding their full humility and dignity. We allow ourselves to feel, and when we do that in the heart of Jesus, then we begin to be able to move beyond justifying ourselves and release the things that we hold on to that keep us from serving. So to serve similarly as to submit that we talked about a couple weeks ago is to release our power or maybe better yet to redirect our power for the sake of another. But without a doubt, there is definitely releasing that happens. There is a letting go of certain things if you want to take a heart and posture of servanthood. Um, this story gives us a glimpse of that in many ways. And, um, and maybe one of these things is what God wants to kind of whisper to you this morning. So we're just going to hit these, these different ways that, um, that a releasing has to happen. Um, whoops. There we go. Um, if we want to have a heart of service. Okay? So if we want to, to meet Jesus in the calling to love our neighbors well, to serve one another, then we have to learn to maybe let go of certain things just a little bit. The first one is, these are very simple, by the way. Okay? This is, this is very simple and direct this morning. Just a quick reflection. The first one is time. I want you to notice in our story all of the times that we see someone being willing, that we see the good Samaritan, this man being willing to release time. We're told that as a Samaritan, but a Samaritan as he traveled, that's how we're introduced to him. So not a Samaritan who was nearby. We're literally told the guy is on a, on a trip. He's going from somewhere to somewhere. He has a schedule. He is traveling. Nobody just traveled because, you know, they liked long-distance walking, right? Like, travel was a big deal in ancient Israel, especially if you were going all the way between, um, all the way down to Jericho. So anyways, we're told that this guy was traveling. He was going somewhere, but he noticed this and he said, this is going to be more important than my time. And he chose to give that time up. The next day, in verse 35, the next day, think about that. So he stays with this guy. He takes him to an inn. He stays with him all night to make sure he's okay. And the next day, by now his trip has been changed by an entire day, right? And then after he talks to the innkeeper, look after him when I return. Then he says, when I return, third time, I'm going to plan to, make, to come back, either because he's going to be passing by and he's going to stop here, or he's going to make an entire another trip. Look at the, the willingness to release time. And to say, you know what, I might have a schedule, I might have a lot of busyness, but am I, do I have a heart that is willing to have my time interrupted for the sake of another, for the sake of offering care and compassion? The second thing is our priorities. Uh, sometimes we have to say, and this is all linked, right, friends? This is all linked, time and priorities, everything like this. But we have to have a chance as we walk 
and see needs around us, see opportunities in tiny ways and in significant ways to say, ooh, can I release my priorities of what I go through my life acting like is most important all the time? See, um, whatever else the Good Samaritan had going on here, this became more important. What we see on the inverse for the priest and Levite that pass by, their priorities were not able to be relinquished. So here's what's going on in that story that we don't often see. So, so a priest was the one who, um, who led the people before God in the temple, okay? Now the Levite was the one who did all of the logistical details in the temple, keeping things clean, cleaning up, but they were servants. So they served in the temple, and the priests led in the temple, if you want to look at it like that. They were both seen as servants, but, but that's the idea. Here's the thing. According to Jewish law, if by chance you ever came in contact with a dead body, then that meant that you were ritually unclean for two weeks. And so what that means is that these guys saw this man. They didn't know maybe he looked alive, maybe he might have been dead in their view. But even if they knew he was alive, he was in bad shape. And so the idea was, if I care for him and touch him, one of the two things is going to happen. Number one, I'm not going to be able to do my duties because of how much time it'll take. Or number two, if this guy may die, then I'm out for two weeks. And how will the temple keep going? Right? How will the temple keep going? This is our mindset so much of our lives. How will the temple keep going if I pause to take my eyes off of myself and look and care for another? If I change my time and my priorities, like we are, maybe Paul had no idea what he was getting into when he said, you guys are temples of the Holy Spirit, because we do a really good job at temple upkeep sometimes, right? All my time and energy spent on just taking care of this. And so, so there's a willingness to part with priorities, and there's an unwillingness to part with priorities, and these are often at war within us. Um, oh, the third one's hard. We've already talked about it. <laughs> Prejudices. So here's where we get into the Samaritan being such a horrible hero for the people who are listening to this story. Jesus is telling this story to a group of Jewish people. And the, here's the thing with, with Samaritans. So when, when the northern and southern kingdoms um, uh, of Israel and Judah, when they split, uh, the northern kingdom was overtaken by Assyria. And when the northern kingdom became overtaken by Syria, the people who lived in the northern kingdom eventually began to assimilate with the Syrians. Intermarriage, sometimes um, taking on the religions of, of the Assyrians, so idolatry, all sorts of things. So, so they became um, like pariahs to the, to the southern kingdom that would be known as Israel long term. And so, so this group in the north were seen as half-breed people who, who um, I'm going to try to do this as, as faithful as I can, who had uh, royal blood of God's people that was mixed with others. Re- and, and they felt disgusted by the Samaritans. The Samaritans did not follow the temple rituals that the Jewish people followed, even though many Samaritans also claimed the same God but not all of them. And so the idea of a Samaritan uh, being a hero in any way was impossible to see, all right, for an average person. They are just, they're dirty, they're unclean ceremonially, they are not clean in God's eyes, they are sinners. 
And so Jesus tells this story to challenge the prejudices of wanting to exclude certain people as unworthy of my love and service. (sighs) This is where it gets hard, right? I mean, oh, friends. Oh, by the way, and we see no hesitation in the Samaritan. We just see him see someone in need and be willing to go after it and say, of course, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. This person is truly in need. But how easy is it to serve others that look like us, that are like us, that think like us? How hard to break down our barriers of prejudices. And even when we think we do, we often keep the power, don't we? So we can serve people who are whatever, less fortunate, struggling. But we keep the power dynamics in there. So we can keep our prejudices even while serving those poor people pathetic people who need me so bad. Thanks, Lord. I know it. I'm really impressive. You know, like what, whatever the case is, but our assumptions that we make about people who are poor or incarcerated, who have a different cultural background than us. And sometimes we truly are. We're hesitant to serve others uh, because in our spirit we think that they are unworthy or undeserving or um, they kind of deserve to be hurting or the decisions that they made put them where they are. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter, according to Jesus. It doesn't matter. Our heart, our posture is to serve, to love, to be that presence in whatever ways we can. And you are not the judge of another's worthiness. Thank God because you and I get it wrong most of the time when we want to go there. So a posture of service names our prejudices, and it moves toward engagement and love so that those prejudices no longer deceive us about the value of another. I encourage you, even in serving through prayer, we just, again, we just talked about that tension and that balance. We often maybe will pray for the ones that we think are the most deserving of our prayers and our time and serve in that way. Um, when Jesus wants to blow that open. All right, so the fourth one, uh, there's five. Fourth one is resources. Here we go. Serving is a willingness to release our resources. So uh, I find it fascinating in this story that over and over we see this Samaritan, uh, and I love that it happens um, in both thoughtful ways and in, um, what's the word for when you do something pretty quickly? Spontaneous, thank you. Uh, Spontaneous and thoughtful planned parting with resources. So as soon as he sees him, he goes over to him and he pours oil and wine. Not cheap or easy things to come by. Everything took way, way more work. Not a ton of supermarkets to just go and grab, you know, your oil on a trip. But it was a healing agent and a protective agent for infection. So, so all of this, all of immediately, what do I have? I've got oil, I've got wine, let me, let me use what I can. I've got, you know, my shirt ripping it open, bandaging, whatever. But then he takes the guy to an inn and he pays for his stay, and then he gives him some advance, and then he says, I'll come back if there's any more costs to make sure that he is okay. Can we just say that it's so hard sometimes to part with our resources, with our stuff, with our money? And this is why Jesus says it's the only thing that kind of rivals God. That's how hard it can be sometimes. Um, It is so hard. But when we acknowledge this, when we say, okay, 
is, is my unwillingness here because I just am having trouble parting with my resources? Then maybe when we name it, we can start to learn generosity in some fresh ways. We can start to learn to practice releasing some of these things. And finally, this is kind of the, uh, the catch-all, but comfort. Serving is a willingness to release our comfort. I mean, just, just consider the journey, right? Literally touching this gross, bloody guy, bandaging him up, putting him on his donkey, walking along, being uncomfortable because maybe he was riding... He was riding it up until that point on his journey. Whatever, we don't know. Maybe fellow Samaritans would look at this guy and lose respect because he's helping the enemy, showing love to those horrible Israelites. Whatever, maybe he's worried that these guys, I'm, I'm moving slow now. We don't know how far the inn was, but maybe I'm going to get jumped too. I'm an easy target right now. This willingness to move beyond his comfort for the sake of another is beautiful and it's challenging. Truly embracing loving service will sometimes make you and others uncomfortable. It's okay. It's worth it. And, and just reflect in your own life. Where have been the times maybe where you've moved outside of your comfort zone through service? What was the end result? We were on a trip. I... This is spontaneous. I hope this lands right because um, sometimes I start saying things and then I regret it later. But uh, we were on a trip a couple of months ago and there was this, uh, we, we got to an intersection. We needed to get gas or we needed to stop for fast food, something like that. And we got to this intersection and I see these guys, three guys outside of a car right on the shoulder of, of the, the exit, not at a good spot. And I can tell this, this car like shut down, whatever. So we're at an easy parking spot. So kind of on a whim, um, I like new experiences, I'm going to say. It's not all, like, selfless. I just, I like adventures. So on a whim, I just quickly park the van and just start running out toward these guys. And I can see they're trying to push this van, right? They're trying to push up a hill into this little edge of a neighborhood to get it flat because the car won't, won't move and it's in a dangerous spot. So they're starting to push. So I just run up behind them and say, hey, guys, and just start pushing along the car with them. Um, and uh, they all had a very different... Um, background than me. I don't know where, where they came from. I think one of them had an African accent, you know. Um, but, but anyways, so all of a sudden we're doing this, this workout together, right? We're like, you know, we're, we feel like linemen, which not exactly built like one, but we're, we're pushing up this and I'm realizing as I'm doing it how I'm going to feel the next day because I don't do that kind of activity very often and I was right. But, uh, but anyways, we get to the top and, and we finally get it out there, and there was this fun synergy, and, and everyone's looking around and laughing and cheering, and we're all giving each other high fives and, like, fist bumps, like, we did it, we just got this car up, and I said, all right, guys, see you later, and then I ran back to the van, and we continued on our way. Um, but I had this fun experience with these, with these guys where, on a spontaneous whim, I was like, let me just jump out here and see. And together we did this really cool moment, and this person who was in the car, apparently everybody else had done the exact same thing as me, so they weren't friends. And this person that was in the car was like, this is amazing, this has just restored my faith in humanity. It was this little moment, I mean, it took four minutes, something like that. So much fun. Um, but, but I was realizing, like, I could have just seen that and been like, oh man, that sucks. Like, broken down car is just the worst. And it was one little moment where I was maybe at, at my better self as compared to a lot of other times. But when we, when we go out of our comfort zone, sometimes we find that there's different gifts that come. Even in the littlest of moments, there's just, there's just something. There's a lot of beauty on the other side. So, so and we're going to talk about that beauty now to wrap up. Um, but, uh, but I want you to think, 
what might God in those, in those areas, what might God be calling you to release so that you can serve better? And we're not talking about losing your sense of self or losing the ability to have healthy boundaries. That is an important conversation. However, today we're leaning into where is God calling you to serve. Um, maybe there's something that you struggle with in particular and seeing these is helping bring clarity of like, ah, that is what might get in the way of my ability to love Jesus by serving others. Who knows? Um, so, all right. On the other end, there's this incredible thing that happens. In all of this releasing, as we learn how to do this, our hands become freed up to receive something fresh and new. And when we release, all right, we also become able to receive so much from God. But here are three simple things. The first thing is really clear. Fresh alignment with the priorities of Jesus. When we choose, even in the smallest way, to love our neighbors, to care about others, with a word, an action, a text message, um, a little muscle, a little prayer, whatever that is, all of a sudden there is something that happens within us because we, we realize that we are aligned with the kingdom's priorities. I don't know if you've had moments like that where you do something that unequivocally you know is what Jesus would want you to do, and there's a lot of those things. It's like so much of, this, so much of the scripture can be like summed up by don't be a jerk to other people. Um, but there's just so much that we can know Jesus says, yes, that's what I want you doing. Um, and there's a sense of peace that comes because we're just aligned with the way that God designed us to live. Um, surprising relationships happen all the time when we choose service. To serve alongside people that we might only define ourselves by the differences and all of a sudden we do a project together or we, we share in service and all of a sudden we realize the good and the beauty that we can do together instead of being defined by all the things that we might be different about. And, but the other thing is that sometimes when we serve, when we choose to engage in a life, all of a sudden we see more of the story. The power dynamics even can fall away and we can grow in surprising relationships that we didn't expect to see that God does wonderful things with. Um, just imagine the connection. I wonder if, I mean, this is all, Jesus told this story but just imagine, I wonder if when that guy came back, I wonder if he was like, what town are you from? <laughs> I'd like to visit you as I recover more. I'd like my children to meet you. Sorry. I just got an image of an Israeli father bringing his child to meet a Samaritan man and his children and how much we need that love in our world right now. But we have to model it, guys. Um, in the smallest ways here, we have to model what the kingdom looks like so that people get a restored imagination for what the kingdom of God can be. People have lost their imagination. Christian faith just looks like going to church. It doesn't look like the Good Samaritan story anymore. Not enough. So we have an opportunity here. Um, and the final thing, the final gift, or a final gift, there's so many more that you'd come up with, um, the final gift is felt purpose. And, and felt purpose means that we all want to know. So alignment is with peace with God, but purpose is that others. We all want to know that we're making a difference with our lives. All of us. When we choose to take a posture of service in the simplest, smallest ways during a normal day, we can go to bed at night and know that our life made a difference in another person. <laughs> like, you know, like that, that, that starfish story, you know, that's the, the overtold one, where the, there's all these starfish on the beach and the kids taking them and whipping them back, you know, after the tide goes out. And there's like 10,000 of them and somebody, some cynical person looks on and says, 
you'll never save them all. And he goes, well, it made a difference to that one. <laughs> you know, is it an overtold story? But there's such truth in it, right? Like, we can't, we look at stories of the violence and the unrest and, and the brokenness of our world, our political systems, everything else, and it's so overwhelming. So we either sit back and say, it's just too much, I can't do anything, or we say, I am going to begin in the smallest ways to be a person that imitates Jesus, that shows this love. Um, all right, one quick thing, and then we'll, uh, we'll close. Um, this is that... Uh, there's one twist that needs to be told for integrity about this, this story, uh, scripturally. So this story, originally told to Jewish people, could not, they would not be able in any way to relate to the, to the Samaritan, okay? That life was totally different. So that's not who they're relating to in this story. Now, it wasn't surprising what happened with the, the priest and the Levite, but they wouldn't want to really relate to them either in this story because they're not painted in a great light. They could be rationalized. I understand they've got to do their duty, but... You don't want to relate to them either. So the only person that they would be left with relating to is the injured Jewish man, which means that they would be relating to the one who was rescued and cared for by the one that they so detested. Okay? When we hear stories, we always put ourselves in the place of the powerful one. And in this case, the powerful one is actually the Samaritan, <laughs> the one who's servant. The original readers had to place themselves because they just couldn't go there. They had to place themselves in the position of the victim of the one who received compassion. And let me just say that to allow ourselves to be served by almost anyone, but certainly people that we have any strong opinions about, to swallow our pride and our superiority is a truly monumental task. Um, To fully embrace service as a pathway to Jesus is to embrace our own neediness in this world as well and to humbly receive care from that kindness regardless of where it comes from? Do you have the strength to do this or do you need to keep the power dynamics going in your life so that you're always the one offering help and never the one receiving it? I challenge you to be a receiver of service as well. All right, this does not need to be lofty and impressive, but it has to be at the core of who we are as people. Um, everyone was, everybody wants to stand for something. Everybody wants to stand for something in our world these days. Hardly anybody is willing to kneel for it. All right? I will take someone who is willing to kneel over willing to stand any day. I hate to say it. It's so easy to click the share button. Right? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Or the retweet. Nothing wrong with that. But we're sometimes so willing to stand for something, and then we don't have any muscle behind it. And our body posture never changes. And so I'll take kneeling over standing any day of the week. So let's be people who have a posture of servanthood, who make space for others. Um, All right, so here's your practical ideas for how you can do this. Oh. There we go. Figure it out yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to give any practical steps because this seriously is personal. All right? So think about where is God stirring you and calling you to serve or just look throughout your day, all right? Look around. How can you offer a really kind word and a compliment to the person that you're getting your groceries from at the checkout? Like, there are so many simple ways. How can you be physically a better neighbor? How can you help someone in here? How can you offer encouragement, prayer, service? How can you help somebody move? (laughs) How can you bring a meal when someone's sick or struggling? Like, We can figure these things out. 
I just gave you too many. You're supposed to figure it out yourself. All right. So let's pray. I really want to just encourage you this week to have eyes to see. The kids, by the way, are using see, care, help as their approach this week. See, care, help. So if that's helpful for you, eyes to see, a willingness to actually feel something like the Good Samaritan did, moved, and then help. Lord, uh, we are thankful that the rescuing of the world is not up to us. Really thankful for that. Uh, but yet we're sometimes overwhelmed and sometimes honored by the fact that you desire us to be your presence in the world. I pray that you would help us see and care and help this week. Give us eyes to notice where we might be your tangible presence and help us get beyond the things that we might want to rationalize ourselves by using and justify ourselves so that we would look like you. Amen.